0: Welcome to 5 Lives to 50, the sustainability podcast for product managers. This is part two of a three-part mini-series where we go deeper into how to successfully embed sustainability into each stage gate. In this episode, we discuss the business case, develop, and test and validate stage gates, which are the third, fourth, and fifth stage gates of the six stage gate process we covered in episode four. I'm Shelley Metcalf, and I'm with my two co-hosts, Jim Fava and Neil D'Souza, and we want to help you, our listeners, shorten their learning curve for how to embed sustainability into these stage gates. Neil, I'll start with you. Can you share with us what are the unique or specific sustainability aspects at the Business Case Stage Gate, and what kind of trade-offs might a product manager be considering here?
1: I think during this phase, you're building the case for the hypothesis that you created in the scoping stage, right, just before that. So just to remind ourselves, this would mean something like, okay, we're making batteries. And can we make a battery for a car that would take it to a thousand kilometer range? This This is the hypothesis that you have, right? That we have an application for a new kind of product or a variant of a product that already exists. And now you want to figure out, is this viable? And the idea is to first, of course, check this viability from a from a technical perspective. Is this possible? Is this technically viable? I think what would it mean from a cost perspective? What would it mean from a risk perspective? Um, I think you've already, as we described uh, during the scoping, you've done some preliminary exercises on potential benefits of this innovation I think this is, the, the idea is what is the feasibility of, of this particular innovation? And the other hand side, you're looking at what does this mean in terms of market? right? And there's three things you typically look at. Does it provide access to new markets? So can I can I touch customers that I couldn't touch before? Can I win more customers? So this is the hit rate through a better product. Am I differentiated enough that allows me to win more often against competition uh, than otherwise? And the last is profitability, right? And typically, what you find with more sustainable products, you associate this with the high end of the market, where price premiums are more prevalent. Which means, even though you start small with this innovation, you end up with much higher margins than what you would typically do for run of the products that you may have. So the idea here is is to look at this based on the innovation, but also look at this. I think which is also very interesting is at the portfolio level because a lot of what we do is not just building new products, but if you want to incru- improve the performance of the entire company, then it's, it, you're looking at this at a portfolio level. You sunset certain products that are no longer viable or not providing the kind of business value to sustainability value ratios that are acceptable to the company. I think. The idea here is if you want to transition to something, you also need to transition out of something. And therefore, looking at this from a portfolio level is also very important. And I think BSF did quite some interesting things in this space with their sustainability approach. The S3 wasn't it, college term? Three S's. Three S's. Sustainability,
2: yeah. mm-hmm. sustainability, solution, steering. Mm-hmm. That's it. So from my perspectives on this, I think about the, the, the business plan is, and actually the whole Stage gate process is sort of a, a funnel. You know, at the very top, you've got sort of a wide issue at the very, you know, early discovery and scoping part. It's wider, and then you're narrowing down the issues on all the items that Neil talked about, but we're talking about a automotive battery as so sort of our example. You're getting into things like the social responsibility of the suppliers, the environmental issues associated with the extraction of those cobalt, lithium and graphics that you need for the batteries. And then you need all the chemicals that are used. And then because of the the battery issue we've been talking about, the other major hotspot that you would identify sort of at the early stages like we did in the discovery and scoping, which then comes into the business plan, what are those high impact hotspots? And for the battery, which is some of the things we talked about, extraction of raw materials, the supplier's human rights, what happens at the end of life, and then chemical use, which is a a problem. Uh, So those are the kinds of things that we identify. And I think about the the funnel. And so coming out of the business plan stage process, you've been able to identify initial targets like these hotspots we just talked about. We're also talking about what are the key goals, recognizing their corporate goals and in some of these hotspot areas but what are the goals that the, my product team has to be able to meet before it goes to launch and all that is part of this whole business case process the other thing that is part of the business plan and the first three stages are really to identify who your key internal and external stakeholders are internally who you're going to have to be able to compete with or provide information you need to have them part of your team right at the beginning not towards the end. And so one of the things you end up doing and laying the foundation is you've done life cycle thinking in the first three stages, but in the development and then testing and validation, you're diving into a little bit more detail. And then the launch, you're going to get into a lot more detail. If you want to make a claim that uses lifecycle information, you're going to have to have more information. So there's a cascading level of uh, complexity and a level of detail that you look at as you go through this kind of thing. So this is why I think bringing all this together in the business plan is one of the most key parts of the whole stage gate. You've got to clear what those goals are, and you've got clarity on the path forward and who the internal mm-hmm. external stakeholders are.
1: It's and critical. which are the parts that are not viable.
2: That's right. The one thing, we'll probably bring it up against the launch too, but it's critical to be dealt with earlier, is the end of life of any product. When you think about it, decades ago, it was a linear process. You develop it, you sell it, and it goes into landfill. Now we're realizing you've got to look at circularity, being able to reuse some of those materials. So you need to identify right at the business plan phase who are those external stakeholders and internal for sure, but who are those external stakeholders that we're going to have to reach out through the rest of the stage gate process. And if it's a hot spot, then we need to figure out who the trade associations are, who might be material recover companies in that area. So that's a very critical part. You can't wait to the end. And many of our clients we worked with in the past would wait to the end, then they, they get lost. They have to do a study and it may take longer than they want because they haven't thought about it in advance. And, you know, the safety process and the stakeholder process part of the business plan. You put a stake in the ground. This is where mm-hmm. we're going. And as Neil said, this is where we're not going to go.
1: I think maybe to remind everyone, right, this is the point where understanding the implications of the lifecycle of the product that you're building or the innovation that you're making is crucial, not just because these are hotspots, but now they need to be taken into account in a business plan. The kind of materials you put in, will determine the amount of tax that you need to pay when you put this product on the market. The energy that this product consumes will determine what kind of rating you have With the energy star rating, for example, in the US and in the EU, you have the same things, which means the propensity to buy for your product will be very different. And maybe this was not uh, your hypothesis to start with, but these are implications of it and need to be accounted for in the business plan. Just like you even mentioned the end of life, I mean, with buyer responsibility, extended producer responsibility programs across Europe and now even in the US, these things become part of the business case, right? And then it may make more sense to spend more money during the manufacturing process with the materials that you use so that these costs can be mitigated as you move downstream in the development process but also onto the market
2: the the thing that i find that really also needs to be done is that the amount of change in the expectations of the investor community the governments customers consumer you know even in the last 5 years has changed drastically and I think what needs to be done, and this is why the business case is so critical and, and why stakeholder assessment is so critical at the beginning, because you've got to put a plan in pay- place, right? When you get alignment from the, the company, say, okay, this is our business plan. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to execute it. you got to have those external stakeholders begin to be part of the team. So I think this is one of the things that I don't think we've done as much in the, in the past, but in the last five years, that regulation and the activity is just accelerated. So it's an important part in the business case.
0: So then let's move on to the develop phase and maybe walk us through what happens from the business case to the develop phase. I know this is where I've heard you say this is sort of where the idea meets reality and we end up putting resources into developing that idea. So what shifts for the product manager here? What do they need to think about in terms of embedding sustainability when they get to that stage?
1: I think the the traditional approach to developing is trial and error. Even today, right? even in the largest companies, it is really trial and error. And one of the things that typically happens is there's an idea where you expect you know a synthesis of of a cat drawing into into something real and you just don't find a way to get that done. Maybe the wrong material, maybe the wrong process, and several iterations that uh, that you make. And I'd like to combine this with the test and validate phase, which is the next step in this, right? Where you take this to the market and you you assess through market studies, through customer studies. Is this going to work? And there are many ways to do this. Now you can use the internet to test this with broad number of customers. And uh, customers will tell you, hey, this is what we like and this is what we're willing to pay for it. The develop, test, validate is a cycling process. What one needs to consider here is it's no longer just does it work. There are all of these other hypotheses that you've developed during the early stages based on the hotspots that you found. And I think what's key here is did not stray too far from those hypotheses, because very often you will find okay, well, we can't use this specific material, and I, I can give I can give you an example. There was a company that uh, wanted to change their packaging from boxes to something more organic. So instead of cardboard boxes, they wanted something that's more recyclable, reusable, reduce the amount of impact. And so they started innovating, and they said, okay, there's nothing better than paper, right? Cardboard. So let's try something else. Let's use a different organic material. And they said, well, you couldn't form feed that into a hard object. And so let's make it a bag. And they said, OK, let's make it a bag. But then we need to design this bag in a different way because it needs to encapsulate my product where this is packaging design. They kept innovating until the point where they realized <laughs> the, the final product just doesn't solve the problem of packaging because they couldn't stack it, the product would be damaged during transportation and so on and so forth. And so the idea is there are certain things that are possible and this is where All of these criteria that you put into context where you want to, for example, look at end of life, you want to look at how this is used, you want to look at its impact on logistics and transportation. If you're in the food industry, does this decrease the longevity of how how long the food is preserved? These are the kind of things that one should not forget what was testing in the first place, what you were trying to test through this develop, test, validate cycle. When things become too complicated, we simplify the problem into, does it work? But the does it work is now broader than it was before. And it's not just across the lifecycle, but it's across these different criteria that we need to consider. Is it going to technically do the job? How expensive is it going to become? Is it going to be compliant? Will I be able to sell it in the markets? Will customers like it? And so on and so forth.
2: From my perspective, you think about this funnel. It's getting narrower narrower. So out of the stage gate three, the strategic plan, uh, you've got a pivotal point that it goes through now under the the development and testing and validation. You're going to go back through and begin to dive down and answer some of the questions. Part of the question says, "Look, for some of our customers, the market, are concerned about the social behavior of our suppliers." So part of the the development and the testing and validation, you're going to have to go back and work with your procurement and really define what are you looking for. Maybe initially it's just a a series of questions that you would ask your suppliers on what they're doing and how they're performing uh, as a way of getting you the information. And then you could use that as some kind of a screening level and a lot of efforts going done. And we've want to work with companies over the past where they're looking, okay, can you give us some kind of a simple screening approach? So we're not doing anything detailed, but we're giving into a, you know, okay, this looks clear. Maybe this really is not something we want to do, and then a lot of them probably fall in the middle. But it's important to have that under this development and testing and validation. You're diving down deeper, and you're gathering some data that you don't have at the strategic plan. And when you think about, about just the concept of LC, how you do an LCA, you have some as these hotspots in the goal and scope definition. But then in the inventory, you're going back down and diving down to actually get data and information. In this case, you may not need to get all the detailed data, but what you need to do is build that relationship with those suppliers, using that as an example, on what they're doing now. And could be coming out of the launch and further, that you're really going to set up some kind of a contractual relationship with your suppliers that say they have to perform in such and such a way on a a social behavior or how they're dealing with their extraction of of their material. So this becomes taking what we've come out of the strategic plan, and business plan with some really concrete data and information that will allow you to develop goals that you need to take as you go forward. We did a rapid prototype project a few years ago and we looked at sort of the life cycle thinking from the beginning to sort of a life cycle screening level into the middle, which is where we are now. To maybe if you're going to make an environmental claim about the product in the marketplace, you had some kind of more definitive LCA to be able to justify that if you needed some kind of an LCA. So this is in the the middle here where you're now trying to gather that more information and more detail and interacting with your suppliers. So that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is what happens at the end of life. So now you're going to be in terms of screening, but you're actually reaching out to actual stakeholders now and particularly representing that end of life, it could recycle companies, reuse companies, so all that whole circular economy that people are beginning to do businesses in. So we need to begin to reach out to them. So when you're ready to go to the you know, stage of launch, that you've really got some people you can say, okay, we're going to engage with company A, B, or C to help us solve the recovery recycle problem in 10 years or 15 years when the life cycle of this product reaches past its maturity. And so I think this is part of gathering the data and information that will then give you enough confidence, you'll be able to launch with the right message and the right stories.
1: I think that's an excellent plug for that last stage, right, which is launch. All of this is a lot more work than what you would typically need to do to just solve the technical problem. It's not easier. The, the problem is that if you don't do it, there are also consequences in terms of market access, profitability, win rates, you know, the, the common things of what businesses really care about. You may not be able to sell in certain jurisdictions. You may have done a lot of work, but you can't. One of the, one of the most recent regulations for anti-greenwashing, right, there are rules now. You can't just claim, hey, this is green. You need to back this up. You need to be very specific in terms of what you mean by what's green. And if during this stage, you've not done your work to quantify and collect this information so you can make those claims, all of this effort is, I think it's good, but it may not deliver the kind of success that you're looking for. So attention to detail during this develop phase. It's not just about developing the product, but also developing the evidence that you need to be able to make the claim that this is actually better. So I think this is a really, really important point.
2: It's the, the product manager. The goal is to have a product that's out in the marketplace. But there's a lot of accompanying information, and that's sort of like who the stakeholders are and working with your suppliers. So it's the product itself, yes, but then it's the whole ecosystem around that product that's critical, and they got to you got to put all that together.
0: It sounds like there's a lot of overlap between the develop and test and validate stage gate, just the way you guys have spoken about it. Is there anything final and specific we can say about the test and validate stage that would be a salient for a product manager to think about and know about?
1: Very often, product managers, at least at large companies, right, you're looking at an existing customer base where you understand what, what the market needs and there's a product that you develop based on that understanding. But I think what we're looking at here is we're at this cusp at the moment where there's a whole generation that is going to, you know, enter the market as buyers. This is going to happen in the next five years. And the problem is there's very little understanding on what their preferences are beyond the fact that we know they prefer more sustainable products. They're willing to pay more money for it. Very broad brush stuff. So I think in the test and validate stage, I think it's important to to keep this in mind that you're not designing a product to sell this year, but you're designing a platform that you will be selling. Over the next couple of years, and uh, the customers that you will have are just fundamentally different. Usually, these kind of generational changes happen every decade, and I think we're at that cusp at the moment now.
2: To me, it's the testing and validation. Where on the battery, batteries, an example, you know, the the life cycle of the how long does it last? They do aging tests to really evaluate these meeting durability requirements, charging and discharging efficiencies associated with the. Uh, With the battery, or even user experiences—you know how people have used it in pilot projects—and then just long-term, you know, sort of reliability uh, of the product, and you know how does it work for over longer periods uh, of time. So, based on what we talked about in the first four stages, this is when you really got—you got to have some data to be, as Neil said, when you come to final launch, you still got to go through approval, um, and you're going to have to have data. Maybe not micro-Michael data, but you're going to have data to justify mm. your recommendations and changes that you want to have that you're going to use to go to market.
1: I think another another very important thing at this stage, which probably wasn't as critical in the past, when you, when you start working in a more competitive, more regulated, less forgiving environment, there's a lot of things that you need to take into account when you're testing and validating. So it's no longer, do you like it? Does it work? And would you pay money for it? but it is, is it compliant? Which markets will I be able to sell it in? Were there significant changes from the initial hypothesis to the final design that would now limit my accessibility to market or win rate or the premium that that customers would be willing to pay? I think uh, if you're looking at compliance, you know is this going to get a certification if that's what's required? I think the suppliers, right, uh, is from a supply chain. If you're looking at, do you have coverage? Is this uh, a vetted supply chain? Uh, does it embed risks, more long-term risks, into the products of viability of the future? I think there's so many different things that that make it way more complex to do this test and validation today than it was, I would say, 15 years ago. I think you need to look at different kinds of tools to help you do this and access the information that simplify this process, that allow you to understand the trade-offs during this particular phase. And I think this is where this multi-criteria view, right? If I make this change, how much is it going to cost? Would I become non-compliant? Does it move me away from my initial hypothesis to visit more sustainable? These kind of trade-offs need to happen a lot faster. And unfortunately, given the complexity of the environment that we're in, it's actually becoming slower. So you need to switch this with smarter tools and more more data.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that, both of you. And uh, to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Five Lives to 50. If you like what you heard, or if you've used something you've heard in one of our episodes, please write to us and let us know. You can reach us by email at contact5 dot 50com And we look forward to seeing you at our next episode, where we'll be returning to the stage gate process and looking at the launch phase. Thanks for listening.